Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is the Morsible Podcast, a podcast about culture and cultural nomads designed for blacks and Asians and those who love them. This final episode for the year 2018, I chose to stay this story last, not because I was saving the best for the last, but because it's such an important topic to me that I didn't think it needed to be rushed. And I just wanted to give myself time to be able to come out and, you know, just say the story. And just a heads up, it's a heavy, sensitive topic, you know, for those that might be fragile. And you would see why I'm putting this preamble before talking about this you know issue so um where do i get started some of you know this already and some of you don't know this already and i kind of hinted at it in my previous episode of my mom that i released last week um so i had a miscarriage two months ago and it happened while i was in ireland in dublin in another country and i'd gone for a conference and you know basically i did everything i thought i was supposed to do rest and do all of that and my hotel and the conference hotel were like you know maybe like a mile or less than a mile away so you know i stayed in a different hotel basically because to save money and all of that so i had gone earlier in the morning to you know set up because i had a presentation later that day but i was feeling a little bit queasy and one thing i w- wanted to do different this time around because this was my second time actually getting pregnant within a span of four years and um but i felt queasy so i you know i decided to just go home so i i held the cab and i went home sorry hotel i went back to my hotel so i had to take a nap because i felt you know my body needed that and i it was a very restorative sleep and i don't take naps but when i'm pregnant like the second time around so some of the things i did to like you know help my body out and so i woke up you know to what i thought was a blissful sleep i had that feeling that i was on my period i thought to myself this is weird so i got off of my bed and you know the white sheets i saw like a brown stain on it i was like oh my god here we go again and you know how you just know and at that moment i assembled all the good intentions i could you know assemble in the world i mustered all of the goodwill all of the positive thoughts and vibrations and whatever you know people must in this kind of situation you know hoping that my oh god i hope this is not gonna be a miscarriage and i started having you know minor contractions and i just you know and i made my way to the restroom and, and it just came out in blobs and and that was it then you know tried everything raising my legs up and resting but it happened and it was very lonely very lonely and very painful not pain as, as far as physical pain but it was something i was hoping was gonna stay the second time around but then you know everything just literally like you see everything just going down the toilet and so i cleaned myself up wore my um professional attire and i went back to the conference and gave my award-winning presentation and surrounded with people surrounded with you know colleagues and there was nobody i could even talk to about it because it wasn't the space for it and i'm sure nobody will have known what happened to me before then and i had to stay in ireland for at least one more week after that incident and it was very painful you know it was i had a friend that came you know from london to spend the night with me and that was really relieving because I could talk to her, I could open up to her, and you know, I so Pujiv, you listen to this. Thank you so much for you know, just watching me cry my eyes out in the bus on, on the way home, and you just you know, telling me all of those words. So I mean, so that was that that happened, and um, I came back to Oklahoma City where I live, and. Um, <laughs> when i do stuff sometimes i do i go the extreme route that's always been my personality type and so my grief was you know oh my god like deluxe level and you know and for anyone that's familiar with this kind of stuff you know that grief is not something that is linear it you just never know if you were to draw the graph for it it's just like ups and downs and flat and flat lines and you know bumblebees and you know circles and you're going back to point a so i started sorting through my emotions okay you feel angry fine what are we gonna do when you're angry shout scream stop talking to god don't read your bible all right fine sort it out um 
sadness oh why are you sad oh okay when you're pregnant the expectations with it you know you start dreaming i didn't do the whole you know close your eyes and imagine one year with the baby five years with the baby but people like me we don't have the luxury of that and i just i'm not just that kind of person that would imagine oh when the baby's out i haven't been on this journey for so long and i know this is bad saying but it's just how it is with me and you know if someone wants to speak to that that's fine let me know what you think i should be able to do better but i didn't do the whole projection you know like oh by this time five years time or in nine months time i live day by day because i have been on this journey for so long that hope became that very expensive thing it became that you know luxury thing like commodities that i probably couldn't afford on a, on a long-term basis so all of the emotions i could sort out and i and i knew it was gonna be a rough road ahead because the first time it happened in 2014 i was miserable for the longest time i mean it took me months and years actually to finally come to terms with it because i kept blaming myself you know thinking I didn't do the right things and all of that. But of all of these things, there was one emotion that stood out that I just couldn't understand why, you know, I couldn't give words to it. Like, why was I feeling this way? And it was the most impactful of all the emotions that that stayed with me and so what was that emotion it was shame you know i felt shameful about it i felt ashamed about it and i thought to myself you're hurting here like you something tragic has happened to you you've been trying to you know get pregnant for this long and you had a miscarriage in 2014 and then four years later you're able to get pregnant again through you know a very expensive procedure it wasn't natural conception by the way and i'll talk more about that probably in that episode and now you're pregnant again and you lost that you've gone through a lot why why are we adding shame to the mix like it's like one of these things doesn't belong with the other let's find out what that was and that was shame and i remember talking so i i talked to a friend of mine and she sent out a blast to some of my other friends and sisters and they're like why didn't you tell us and i'm like guys i'm sorry i didn't it wasn't like i didn't want to tell you guys but i needed to find out why i was feeling the way i was feeling and i didn't think it was fair for me to bring people on board if i didn't understand why this process was and i still don't understand but here's what i'm feeling and i had one of them saying now she was like what that don't don't do that to yourself you know i know you're going through a lot i know you're going through a lot but you shouldn't feel that shame you're complete and i've heard that i've heard one of my friends tell me that but sometimes it's very very hard to believe that because if you've been on, on this path for a while i don't want to use johnny anymore i'm going to sound very cheesy here and that it's it's very hard to convince yourself that you're still whole you're still you're, you're complete so um in all of my you know trying to understand why i've opened up to a lot of people and of all these things I think I'm very thankful for the fact that I know I'm not alone, you know. And I've spoken to women that you can't, you you have no idea what they've gone through, you know. But it humbles me to know that when we open our mouth and share our stories, we don't know who we're going to be helping out with. So that is why I'm actually talking about this. I don't want you to pity me, no. I have a wonderful life. I have people that are very supportive of me. I have a wonderful family. I have amazing friends that, you know, I look at them and I see how they look at me and I'm like, what do you guys see in me? And they tell me to keep my mouth shut. I would just love you. We love you. and Just keep your mouth shut. So I have a beautiful life and I'm thankful for so many things. But I'm hoping that with this episode, this might encourage somebody to know that, hey, you're not alone even if i don't understand all of the things you're going through i'm here you know i've been through that i've been through some of that and i and i hope this episode you know encourage somebody to understand it's okay to feel that way that it's okay to to cry it's okay to feel like you know um there's something off with you but don't let it linger on so this person i'm bringing to talk about this 
I just like to say that they've encouraged me a lot and they told me they were pregnant in April and you know it was exciting and all that and so when I found out I was pregnant you know she was really helpful in you know answering some of my questions because I get curious about pregnancy and you know especially those that have been able to you know, carry through and so they answered a lot of my questions and it was it was it felt really nice being able to you know look at them and see okay in six months time this is a projection even though I didn't let it linger on and so um because of just how sensitive these issues I'm not going to be able to use their name so I'm going to be referring to them as sis throughout the episode but they they were pregnant for a while and then something happened and I thought to myself like I thought what happened to me was tragic and indescribable but then in hearing that story i'm like oh my god no it's not the end of the road like even in these situations we still have hope we still have cause to be thankful so i'm gonna you know let them just talk about their story as well and together we can explore this topic but i like to say that our culture says we're not supposed to tell this kind of thing but we're saying it anyhow so we can encourage somebody that's it you know that's it and like i said we don't want to be pitied i'm not sharing the story because i expect people to care about me or even how i feel about this or how it affects me no i'm sharing because I know it's comforting knowing that you're not alone. Maybe some of you will see bits and pieces of your story in my story. If not, I hope you find insight into something that happens all the time, but only few people talk about. Sharing is a part of my process, but it doesn't have to be a part of yours, you know? You might not be someone that is very vocal to talk about this. It took me a while to, like, come, you know, out of this shell to, like, say I want to talk about this. My husband is so worried about the impact it's going to have on me. Like, people are going to look at me differently. And I told him, it's fine. I'm ready to, like, talk about it now because it's just driving me crazy having to, you know, think about all the emotions in my head and having to like manage all of them i just want to let them out because maybe they're gonna stop being as scary as they used to be in the past so if you're struggling find a trusted friend find a doctor or professional or somebody that you know specializes in women's health and pregnancy loss you don't have to go through this alone this is what i'm trying to say pregnancy loss infertility issues and all the emotional mental physical crap that comes with it these things are heavy you can't just think your way out of it like you know it's gonna magically disappear trust me i tried and it didn't work so without further ado i'd like to invite my next guest to explore the story like i said her name is sis um the only thing i can tell you about her is she's based in lagos nigeria and she's one of the sweetest kindest nicest people i know so everyone join me welcoming sis to the show hey <laughs> hey sis <laughs> i'm very <very> emotional <laughs> <laughs> but Aiza, I don't know how I'm going to sound. First, I'd like to, oh my goodness, thank you for deciding to come on this show with me. And I didn't even think we're going to get to this level where we, you and I will be talking about this. Right. You know. I didn't think because I was like, you know, we've we've tried other ways. We've tried writing about it, and we're like, you know what? I'm not even ready to tell my story. But even talking to you, I was like, why not just even explore this together on the show? You know, and some of the things you guys are here to do are things that we've encouraged each other with, and some of the things are things that we haven't even talked about. But we just want to put it out there and you know get some kind of sound bite from it. So I don't know how you want to get started. Do you want me to say you know the big reveal, or would you want to do? The, um, honors of that. Okay, let me just. I think you're ready. You already said the introduction. I was expecting, and um, pregnancy was progressing normally. I get this condition called brain preeclampsia. I get that towards the end of the pregnancy, but I get some. Called IPMS's gravidarum from the beginning of the pregnancy. So basically, it just means I can't keep anything in. I can't keep food. I can't keep fluids in. So I throw up constantly. And so gen- the, the gist of it all is just I, it makes me extremely miserable. So I get to go to the hospital for fluids to just get them um, uh, rehydrated because I, I lose a lot of body fluids. I, I'm always vomiting like constant, constantly. So you know. My first like three four months, 
of pregnancies um, is always very traumatic and even longer but the thing is i always get used to it and um i said i always get used to it it's not like you know, i've actually just been pregnant twice uh, my first daughter during during our pregnancy it was really you know it came as a shock because i wasn't expecting that kind of thing everybody around me they get pregnant and then everyone is <laughs> i mean like relatively stressed with pregnancies or I got pregnant and my my world suddenly just you know because crashed like I just I just everything just stopped because I had to just be hospitalized I had to be on drips and injections for a very long time I had to be on bed rest that's it you know there were just so many things so so with this one I thought I gave birth to my first I took I told myself that I had to give myself a break like a lot of time to actually as in be mentally prepared for the next one really because I was I read up about it you know it's, it's a pretty common not not really common but at least it's a medical condition that was like known and they always say you should always expect it with even no matter how you know how many pregnancies you still have later even if it's five six times you still get to experience that so I've already prepared I had to prepare myself mentally to be mentally ready to go through all that again you know for my second and when I felt we were ready we you know we tried and then I got pregnant and so my point I wasn't even really projecting I just wanted to just leave and just you know just get through the day like I was literally always counting hours in a day <laughs> for like I would just stick up the calendar you know I just stick it up like ah, this day has passed and that was how my pregnancy just you know it was progressing and yeah pregnancy was doing its thing there's a couple of other, other pregnancy symptoms that are always not so good you know <laughs> depending on yourself when you sneeze or when you you know all those gross little things constant puking constant, I was always fixing like always const- constantly I do that and I do that like give birth so I held on to the fact that I was going to get my baby at the end of the day so to all be worth it she gets uh but um at 24 weeks i was diagnosed with um IBC. i had me my first as well but it started at 37 weeks with her so once that was the seven weeks and it was it kept going you know we tried to control it i had to deliver the baby the next week that was like on the 38th week though so she came at the end of the day we were both, we both alive and well and healthy and everything went so so for this one compared to the last one i said that it's seven weeks so it was really like worrisome so i went to my normal doctor's appointment at um 28th week and met a different doctor this time around because i know my main doctor is a man he's the main guy is the gynae like of the, of the hospital is the main gynae so but i met a different one this time around she, the other one was in the hospital so she, that was the day she diagnosed me with preeclampsia and for those with that, that might not really know uh, preeclampsia is a pregnancy disorder and some of his features are high blood pressure and a significant amount of protein in urine called proteinuria and it's very dangerous and it can lead to termination of pregnancies and it's actually one of the most common causes of death due to pregnancies in our neck of the woods like in nigeria developing countries more people die from it it's preventable and it's, it can be easily managed but then in our part of the country some people have died just you know carelessly either due to management or what? just not even diagnosed in time yes Sorry, that's go right. ahead. I she gave me the meds and told me to come back in a week yes i would already planned to travel because i was also supposed to travel for um a vacation with my family like the the next the very next day or something like that so already plans to travel by on an expectation of things so she was like okay i should come back immediately i get back from my trip 
So to just see her and um, know the next steps to take. So I went on my trips. I I used the drug, but I had adverse effects. Like I reacted badly to that particular brand. I don't know why. Most I got more sickly. I got more. I was lethargic. I was. I think I told you then, Jalani. You remember yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was on methyldopa, um, which you know is one of the most common drugs used to manage it. And I remember when you told me about your symptoms. I and I know as a pharmacist, I just told you those are things you should expect. But I was really mad because your doctor and your pharmacist they didn't even really tell you you know some of the things you should be experiencing like using an alpha 2 agonist which is what you know aldometis or methyldopa is that this is one of the things you should expect nobody told you that you had no expectations at all and i i was with you when you started the medication and i could see you just decline further like before you were already stressed with the pregnancy tired you were fatigued like you just the remaining joy you had just you know Instead <laughs> of me, you know, getting better and feeling better, and then I'm still, you know, I'm now getting worse. I think I even complained to you at some point that I'm not sure I can even continue with this medication because literally I couldn't function. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, you, you oh, told oh. your doctor already that you were traveling, and they gave you the all clear that it was good to travel. I wanted to just remember. Yeah, they gave me. Oh, yes, yes. And then even at the airport, you know, you're meant to go do um, this health check. Yeah. For you to give you if you are fit to board or not. Yeah, so I did all that as well and I was cleared okay. to travel. Yeah. Like the BP was still high, but was not so high to the point where I was not and I told them I was on drugs and you know, they saw the drugs and everything so they I was cleared. The doctor just wanted me to just take my drugs and I should just rest. The major advice I got was like, I shouldn't, you know, stress myself. I shouldn't do anything, you know, stressful, basically. So I did that. And when I got to the, when we got to where we were going to, I was basically, I was basically cooped up in the hotel. So after, I think I, I told you, somebody I had to ask to stop the drugs for maybe just two days. Yeah. We stayed for a week. And I, I remember the way you screamed at me. Yeah. I wasn't <laughs> that I shouldn't. I was like, what are you thinking of, lady? And you were like, can't you be nicer? I was like, no. Yeah, I was like, no, I can't be nicer than that. Are you kidding me? You cannot stop your medication. So I was like, you're not being nice right now. I'm like, I know, but you have to get back on your meds. And you did go back on your meds. I did go back. But after I told you, and you, you, you went all gangster on me. Was- That's why I'm the pharmacist here, okay? It's fine. <laughs> after the vacation, we got back. I went to the doctor. I had that appointment, I think, the two days afterwards. After I got back. So, and the next day I went to meet, I went to the doctor. That was on November 21st. But I am a little backstory. Before that particular day, I'd already, I already had issues with the hospital, like the doctor attending to me because I felt it was not really so present. Yeah. yeah. And I felt it was like an autopilot. Like, you know, we are seeing so many pregnant women and it's not really interested in the details of whatever is happening to you. Like, you just want to like, okay, are you finding any complaints? If there's no complaint, then I'll see you. Bye-bye. That, no, that's the, that, that was how the vibe of the old normal uh, routine checkup, my routine checkup went. Coincidentally, I had a friend that was pregnant as well. Like, so we, at some point during our pregnancy, um, we were put discussing you know, what we noticed, like we're trading stories. Yeah, we used to be on So, and we kept trading stories of how, you know, how we feel is on autopilot. is not really concerned about, you know, how we, as I, how we used to be. There was a time we told us our cervix was short, that we needed to do a cyclage procedure. And we got, we sought second and third opinion. Later we discovered nothing was wrong with our cervix, but we were just pushing for a cyclage, maybe to get more money or something, I don't know. And he told us these on separate occasions, like we're together, you know, he didn't even know, doesn't even know we are friends or anything, but he, he told her I had her own separate appointment, he told me like two weeks after or so, 
at around that point so i can imagine the number of women who must have told that and those though you know we are just fucked fuck out money and paid to have a settlement procedure done maybe when they did not need to i do you do you get my point yeah. so that happened and we're even considering changing hospitals because the point we're still being sentimental about is like eh, at least we know what to expect like you're already just so we don't really need him to you know just do much of our pregnancy is going as expected we would we do just rough it or whatever whatever it tells us like go and check outside like just do a second and third opinion we'll just seek them and then we'll take action that was just our plan and then we just like just just have a baby the devil you know kind of you know thinking which was very wrong thing have done so i just followed my god but anyway back to the present where, where i stopped after i go back from my trip i went in to do my normal appointments um, my normal checkup how it works basically is when you get in yeah. to the hospital you get the nurses take your vitals like they take your blood pressure temperature your weight to check all that and then your urine and they write all that on your file before giving it to the doctor before and then you get called and when is your turn that that was the procedure and after I, my vital was taken i asked the nurse that before she before she wrote on my file i called my bp that particular day and she told me it was like 190 125 they didn't even tell you had to be so they don't tell <laughs> they don't tell and then i went to see the doctor he just told me that it was like which obviously i need and Keep in mind that it was the other lady that I saw before I traveled that actually placed me on the drugs. He didn't see me, so he was just saying that okay, my that my BP had turned to preeclampsia that for, for that particular appointment. And normally this doctor, as when I said he was not present, like when he gets into the to his office and you have yeah, he has your file in front of him. You have to be the ones keep reminding him of what happened, like where what your history I, I is, how many books or something like, you are. Like that, like front of you, you can just open and just check where you what the last thing was or something. But no, you have to keep reminding. I told him that like, okay, I have brain clamps. I was diagnosed brain clamps at my last appointment. The last two weeks I came, the doctor said so, 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 and placed me on this drug. I even complained about the drug. Like, the drug was making me feel this way, and I don't know if he can, you know, change it. And that was my major thing I was going to complain about this particular day at the appointment. And I told him that. After I mentioned my BP was 190, as after I saw that my BP was 190, 125 or so, you know, I was expecting that, you know, he was going to take it a little bit more serious but also the same attitude of autopilot that was the vibe it just what he did was like he just you know he just wrote on my file that i should i should be delivered later at 37 weeks at that point i was 31 weeks so he told me there's one weeks and some days it was like i should be delivered later at 37 weeks via cs anyway he was like if there's no more complaints i should i can take my leave and, it, and then he changed my drugs to labeta love and told me to go and try that and something just was not right but i don't know because i knew that before of that you know that number i feel like she get more care other than just you know go and take this drug and, and come back as i was going out i asked i asked i now come back so when next should i come and see you he said just check uh, and come back come back in two weeks time now your normal that was how he said it. come back in two weeks time now as in that's my normal appointments they i'm supposed to have another appointment for two weeks we bought it and we bought the better on the way and i started that one Immediately, I used this. I go home, put my feet up, and you know, my baby, that's my, my first daughter, she was still <laughs> playing with the baby, you know, baby kicks and all. She was, she, she sings to her, and then started feeling contractions around 9 p.m. that night. At first, I thought it was just Braxton eggs because when you're in your third trimester, you get 
vaccine like and um, right? it's just you know it's not the real ones yeah. but but you know they can be quite painful you know you're you are supposed to expect it and i know what it is already and i know i'm not expecting to give it anytime soon so i didn't pay attention to the contractions really so i was like let's go away maybe somehow and it can last for hours sometimes so i didn't really pay much attention to it Started around nine and then my husband came back and because we went to the appointment together for that particular time that particular day but he went out from there went to work and then came back and he said i was better he asked me if i was fine and i said yeah i'm just feeling contractions but i don't know i feel it's boxing to go on its own I, I so i tried sleeping but you know, I, I don't really find sleep that easy, even during pregnancy. I don't, I don't sleep. In between, I was able to doze like for about maybe two hours, and then around four a.m. I woke and the and the, um, contraction woke me up. I, I went to pee, and then I realized that they, they were even coming more frequently, and they were getting like increasingly painful. So I decided to time time the contractions to see if they were timeable. They were, you know, they were lasting between 50 seconds to one minute, and sometimes one minute, minute second, like that. So that was like the average. They were just coming frequently. So, like, if I around, I think six or so, I tried to just, you know, take. I told my husband I would, you would need to add in for preterm labor because I was obviously not, not supposed to be in labor at that point. My mind was just like at this point. Even if I'm in labor, I was open and you know, because I still wanted the baby to still, you know, <laughs> to still cook for as long as she can, so that she can come out healthy. And that was just my, you know, my worry was just like I just, I just want them to give me something to store the labor if possible. And then the worst case scenario I had in mind was okay, I was going to deliver that day, and then the baby will be in the incubator that I was going with. So I just picked a few things and I had to arrange for my little baby. You know, she has to go to school and all that. So I just decided you know just did random stuff i was supposed to do and then just carry like small carry-on bag my the change of clothes for myself really so i when i got in i checked my vitals my bp was i think two two ten or two something around 200 i wasn't really coordinated at that because i was in a lot of pain at that point the doctor immediately even saw the bp and i now went to another doctor this time around because the md my main guy the gynecologist was not on seat at that point so it was like ah, we have to admit you we have to it wasn't even he hasn't even heard what i came in with you get like i came in for pre-term labor i really saw the bp it was about admission straight so we wanted to check the fetal actually said the baby was fine maybe nothing or anything yes so i lay down the table and he checked he bought the that doppler what do you call it and he put it on my tummy and then i couldn't hear anything <laughs> like it was just nothing it was there was no heart beating nothing i couldn't I, the day before at, at the appointment regular appointment we still checked and the baby heart was beating strong so it was like it was around 150 mp i don't know how they can educate i could already tell something terrible had gone wrong like something had gone terribly wrong but the doctor was sensed my panic it was like no no no, it's fine it happens sometimes you know maybe the baby is dividing somewhere but all it was saying I, I could already tell there was something because it doesn't take that long so he asked me to go into do a scan so i went in to do the scan and you know you know on the scan there's a huge tv monitor that you'll be able to see your baby as you're lying down and i've done a lot of scans <laughs> the person could actually you know what to look out for where the heart beats was so i just went straight to look at that and then nothing was beating on the screen so that's when i knew the baby had died and i already the tears just you know i started wailing 
they were like no 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 calm down it's still you know yeah like don't worry as in we still repeat the test maybe they're just trying to pass it i was like what's like i like i can't see now like, and there's no heart beating like and nothing nothing everything was just still everything was still i'm so sorry i had i already started crying thank you it's so the conversation turned from you have to admit you to do whatever to you know you have to deliver the baby as you give her the, the dead baby. In my head, I was just going, I don't get, I don't understand. As in like, she's dead. How? Like, I see her die yesterday. We're still singing. So, you know, they, they poke her and then she moves and, you know, they play with her and you know, like, and all that still happened this night. Then I kept flashing back to maybe that's where I was feeling restless. I was just like, maybe if I'd gone in at that particular point, maybe. So, I was in full blown labor and then, and then I was given the max of it. I was giving the max of it. I was really, yes. I, I was giving when I was in labor. And that's by I, the I was giving the max. I was giving. Those that are, you know, wondering what you know, max sulfate is. Magnesium sulfate is used to prevent eclampsia and those with severe disease. Yeah. I I heard at some point because I heard when they were telling me the BP was going down. And after they found out that um I was dilating, so they just decided that I should just have the baby, um vaginally instead of. Yes, after all. So they, that was when they pumped me to find drugs to get the BP down, also. And miraculously, the, <laughs> I say miraculously sarcastically because yeah. I just I just wonder why I wasn't given that option the previous day. Yeah. You know, they maybe we got down to one for saying seventy two before I gave it. From 190 something to 200 something, right? 200, 200 plus. So they were able to bring down the BP while I was in labor to deliver my dead baby, but they couldn't offer me that the day before when the baby was still alive. So it was just. My point is, I'm not saying the baby must have still died. Gee, guys, even if I was given that, it, but at least I would know I was offered, and then they tried, you know, they tried their best to, you know, attend to me properly. So, you know, take the matter seriously, like it should have been. That was just my, my thoughts. Anyway, I finally gave it to her, um, 4.50 p.m. And I saw my baby and she was perfect. You know, she was, she was perfect. And she, she was a small. I she weighed 1.5 kg. I held her and I kept asking why. I didn't ease her right away. I faced everything. She, I kept, I kept looking at her, and at that point, after I pushed her out, I was numb, and, and my husband just, you know, just burst into tears. So I had, I held him close, I was comforting him, but I was cradling her as well, and that image, you know, it still messes my mind up to today. I kept remembering Angel's emotions when I had my first, my husband cried at that point, he was so overwhelmed with joy. The excitement and he kept crying, he kept saying, you know, but it was tears of joy. But this one was so heartbroken. As he going through all that stress for months, and my only hope was, as it will all be worth it at the end. 
you know and i had planned so many things around you know a coming my, my elder child my only child now would always say uh, how she's going to take care of the baby how the baby's supposed to how the baby will sleep in her room for mommy to rest how she will teach her in the diapers them growing up together and how you know our personality may be like how who she's going to you know we kept the anticipation was there I, I think I just got to spend like maybe 10 minutes with her before they took her away. And that part, I always still wish and we, like, we have a better grief, grief um, management in this country. There so many things that I, I, I wished I had done then and they had allowed me to. And, you know, they were just already me up. In fact, they didn't want me to carry the baby at first. They just wanted to pack her up as if she was just a trash. <laughs> Something I had lived on. Lived for... I know you've talked about how that just stays with you. It's how they actually put the baby in a bag, in a nylon bag, and give it to you guys to go dispose yeah. of by yourself. This is a, a child that was fully formed. Like, who does that? And I'm not trying to pick up on this. Or we're going to mention the hospital's name for sure. But I'm not saying this is the only hospital that does that. I think there's a systemic problem here at large where we don't have proper... I had a friend that, that, that lost a baby here too. That had a, you know, she had a stillbirth, and they allowed her. She had to even do like a funeral ceremony and um, dress up the child. She could pick up. I mean, they they the hospital had all of that to help them guide the process, and they could let the child go the way you know. They, they had a formalized mechanism where. It went hand in hand with the grooming process. It wasn't rushed. It was is what I'm trying to say. You know, I was just, I, I had to be the ones like, no, I want to over. Like, ah. They were like, ah, why? I was like, let's just take her up. I was like, ah, are you kidding me? Like this child does. I was, I speak, I speak to her every day. I sing to her. I, I, I love her. She says she's, she's someone I've bonded with over many months. And you just see it as just a dead thing that for it's just trash. It, the memory that's that that's to stop with me and it makes me really heartbroken every time I think on it. It's it's really heartbreaking thing to experience. And watching them put time nine on and take her away. It messes with me. It messes with me. It's not like it gives me nightmares. Because I can't ah it's really sad. It's really sad. And do you know I was I was left on that same bed I gave birth to her. They changed the sheets, you know, the third sheets and everything. They just left me there. Basically, just let's say forget about me. <laughs> they said they wanted to still continue to monitor my BP, where I was, as in that on the first class, but that they had this BP monitor somewhere around there. Like the next day, I think the next morning, they moved the new moms into their private rooms. To you know, to be with your baby or family or whatever, and I was expecting that I would be moved as well to my own room, and they told me that I can't, I can't be moved, and the excuse they gave me was because I have to check my baby. Essentially, I felt like I was being treated like I was not, you know, I don't have my baby. I like so they, that they don't really, they don't see the need to, to you know, treat me like a new mom. Essentially, yeah, well, they might have their policy in place, but about that, you know, which you know, I can't really speak to that. But what I really didn't like was how you could, like, there was a particular one you told me about the lady that was in labor, all of the groans. Oh, I was, was So, that, that, I, the 12th, you told me that morning, and I, I was thinking I, I was, I couldn't be moved. 
my two children. I was hearing the babies, new babies when they were born. I was hearing their cries. I was hearing people in labor in the next room. I was, you know, I was just surrounded by you know, different sounds of babies and mothers and and all that, like what I just experienced. So the second night, I went just for like four days or so. The second night, they now brought, they said they all the liberal, the liberal rooms also were filled up. So they brought this particular person to where I was, like a bed next to mine. And she was in labor. She, she was screaming. She was in pain. She was from sleep. I, I think I was even trying to sleep that day, that particular time. And it brought her, it was her screams, uh, um, agony that woke me up. From, from stand. I couldn't, it just broke me. I couldn't stand all this, the, you know, the newborn, the people, the labor. I could, and I you know why she was the mother. They were checking her baby as well. I could hear the actuates. I could hear, you know, I could hear the baby was fine, but she was, no, every, everything was, was just messing with my mind. It was, it was like torture, like I was being tortured. So I had to just, I had to walk out of that room. I had to call my husband. I think I told you, I, I was yeah. just me with that because. I think it came like around 3 a.m. or so to demand that it yeah. change your room and it finally budged and all that. Yes. So that it was around, was it 3 a.m., 2 a.m., that they finally changed my room the second night of it. So yeah. Uh, I was I was given blood transfer because I lost a lot of blood. You almost died. You were skipping that part. You almost died. <laughs> yeah, I almost died. I was, I, I, heard, I heard you were pale as like as death. Like the accounts I heard, like they almost lost you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, because I, it's a, at some point I felt myself fading away. Like I was already, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even tell my husband this and feel my mom good. But at some point I could feel myself fading away. Like I could, I was losing my my senses one after the other. I couldn't, I couldn't. I couldn't hear at some point and on my sides I couldn't couldn't see anything at the and then I was slowly just and I was getting to that point where I was just feeling this unnatural calmness and I didn't even know somehow I don't it was just I didn't even know I would have died really because everybody that came came in to see me everybody was just just it, <laughs> it was the same reaction they had aside that really the people had died many sights in me like they said I was as pale as, they, and I couldn't even see myself. I didn't, I didn't know how, how I looked like, also. But I, I stayed in the hospital for close to four days, and we left. And that was when, you know, the reality of now, <laughs> everything. Let's, let's, let's unpack that. <laughs> We've talked about that a lot, you know, in our personal conversations. It's the day after. It's the night after. <laughs> And it's the days after. And you can you can also share experience. But for me, is people will call you, they'll check in on you, they'll do all of that. Those moments are good, you know. They 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 are encouraging moments. But the 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 ice on the cake is when you're just alone, you know, alone in your thoughts, you know. And the crowd is no longer there. What has that been like for you? It is. I didn't even want any. I didn't want crowd. I didn't want anybody calling. So I you know we have this culture here in Nigeria. Like when people call, when like those kind of things happen, they they try to, um, in their way, they are trying to make you feel better. But they try to undermine your pain by telling you somebody else's own that had it worse. <laughs> so you should be thankful. Yeah, yeah. It's like called, si- it's called silver lining. 
that this person died. Yeah, okay. I know someone yeah. that had that mm-hmm. person died. Yeah, lucky you're still alive. Oh. I hate yeah, that line so much. God takes God yes. takes away it's God's plan. <laughs> Just shut up. Don't say that. Don't worry. People, people like people that have. I feel like it's the best time to try again. <laughs> You should try again. Have sex with your husband. To try right away. You should. You're gonna get yeah, pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, had people. Yeah, telling like, me I should. Want, I should have sex. Like, yep. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, you yeah, just want to replace the baby and yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, right away. Are you are you are you are you people crazy? <laughs> like how? Like it goes to a point. I was like, I told him, I was like, if I if I, I don't know, next person that will tell me this, I'm going to go off on on that person <laughs> because I, no, really, I told so. I, I, I just switched off my phones. I, I switched off my lines. I, I told them I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't see people until I was ready to. But you know, family, some of my close friends will still come around and those like, but even, even, you know, people constantly tell you how somebody lost their three year old, how somebody else lost a six year old, how somebody lost a three year old baby. So that your own is still better at least. It's not as if you bonded with the baby. It's not as if you need to, so know, you should just for those for those listening, we're not saying you shouldn't comfort those that are grieving. But when you don't know things to say, just sometimes just keep it quiet, keep it mouth shut. It's just you know, or holding your hands and just sitting down and crying with them. Or even not saying anything sometimes is better than things to say. We know that things could be worse. We know in the grand perspective of things, someone that has one leg is better than someone that has no legs, you know, whatever that means. We're not saying that. But try not to, like, you know, conflict people's experience to things you've heard outside. Because it's, it's your time right now. So be in the moment with them, listen to them. And if you don't have anything to say, keep shot. Undermine my pain just to make yourself feel or make in the course of making me feel better sound, or your quest of right. saying you're trying to make better you're undermining my pain you're telling me it could be so to just suck it up and you'll hear some people telling me to just shake it off like oh, you know like a heaven. switch i can just the baby is in heaven well, how about i send yeah. you to heaven to go and meet that baby and bring them back to me and why you stay in heaven how about that oh god i have it so much and it's like it's, it's just a month but I feel like I've lived out that many years in this month because yeah. I just hear some things and I'll be like, how? Like, how people don't, but I get them, though. You know, really. I do. I do. I know. A little bit of sensitivity go a long way. <laughs> you know, we, you know, in this part of the world, our own part of the world, we have this, we have this, and then we have this notion of the Nigerians and which we can adapt to anything fast and just, you know, shake things off. Even if it's a bad thing, just move on quickly with your life and on to the next thing you shouldn't stay you shouldn't dwell you shouldn't grieve grief is a concept that most people don't understand and don't want to understand if you okay a bad thing has happened find the positive in it and just you know just move on from the bad but grieving is just like a waste of time you're not you're not supposed to be grieving as early as you know one week after the, the old incident i had people telling me like if they see me crying or something telling me why am i why was i crying it's not enough time you know enough time has passed you know for me to still be crying like this and i should just you know shake it off and be fine I should look at my child and I have a child. So what am I crying for? And I would try. <laughs> what am I crying for? I'm so mad. Is... <laughs> I'm so mad right at least I have a child. That I have. At least I'm alive. What if they are not alive? Hey, really, should be it's good that are alive that you, you, you can say you, you are crying for a baby or whatever. What if you had died? Hey, at least be thankful that you are alive. And then you have another baby. Ah, it's not just another baby. You imagine, like, is it not just? Like... 
even if i have 10 more babies on my own it can't it can't be the same you always you always remember you have lost one. I think that's one of the things that encourage me because I have a friend. She's in her sixties, and she's she's American. Anyways, and one time she was just we just we got talking. She had posted something on Facebook, and it sounded very sad. So I inboxed her like, "Hey, how you doing?" and all that. And she told me that today is like her was it thirty something thirty ninth remembrance for her baby that she lost, and I was taking her back. I'm like. 39 years ago you lost a baby it's like yes that every year she remembers and she's still saddened by it and i'm not talking to another you know extended family member of mine that is you know way older as well and we just you know got started talking about miscarriage and all that she told me about her her child that you know drowned in the that something happened in a freak accident and you could see the tears running out from this mom. she's a grandma by the way and i thought to myself like mm-hmm. If these people are, you know, already they're way older than me, and they can still remember, it's okay to remember. It's okay to grieve for, you know, as long as you want. It's okay to, you know, to hold on to that, but not in a despondent kind of way, you know. I wouldn't want someone to be, you know, heartbroken for a long time. But it's it's okay to cry once in a while when you think about that. And that really made me feel a lot better because I told her, like, you know, you're like the first person that's ever told me that it's okay to, you know, grieve. Thirty-nine years later, you're still grieving about the loss of your child, you know. So I just wanted to put that out there. It's okay. Remember. Never forget. You never, never. You can never, never forget. forget. You can never forget. And the fact that, that the pain for me was like it could have been avoided at least. Do you I get know. like there were those could have been avoided. So that fact, it's it's a it's a sore it's a sore spot for me. I know. I mean, I've told you this that you can <laughs> you can you can't keep blaming yourself and all that. But I understand why you think you should have been. No, be no. Yeah, but there are so many things. I feel so because know, I, because in our country, Nigeria, the way healthcare really is practiced is it's more paternalistic, whereby the doctor is one that dictates what is best for you. How mm-hmm. did you find people that really even know what you know? the options are the distance between the patient and doctor is so high that you don't have people knowing how to advocate and be more assertive so that's a broken system right there and you are we we are product of that broken system so if you were to blame yourself make sure that at least you're not you know confining all of those blames you know on you there's so many things that you know could have been prevented so many checks and balances so um and i know you went back to the hospital again after the fact because you were so grieved by this that you you said to me like i would want for this not to happen to somebody again you you complained to the management you gave them specifics as to what they could have done better in your case but it seemed that it didn't go it didn't go well because they didn't allow me <laughs> they didn't allow me express anything of such thing i saw the interaction because you you showed it to me and it seemed like they were being more defensive about it so i mean it's safe to just say can you just tell us a little bit about the hospital itself for those that are probably considering in a hospital they should know that they would have to be more you know assertive and be their own health advocate because it seems that sometimes it's private yeah. hospitals especially don't have your you know interest at heart so yeah i think you have the liberty to mention the hospital's name i don't mind putting their name on record <laughs> the hospital is it's a little hospital it's a little hospital in um Ogba, and that's I-S-A-L-U, I right? Yes, I-S-A-L-U. I did, I did take and, the liberty uh, of looking at their website because it's a group of hospitals actually scattered around Lagos and they boast themselves to be the premier, 
yeah, one of the best. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, you're only as good as you know your failures and all that. So for those that are listening, this is Salo Hospital in, in Lagos. You know, it was incorporated in 2004, and their registration number is on their website. This is just one of the hospitals that you know my friend had a bad experience. It could be other hospitals as well. The thing is that so many bad stories you hear from hospitals generally, and at the end of the day, it's either like a mismanagement or something that wasn't done you know properly. That's still a mismanagement. But I think what we're trying to say here is that. Regardless of what hospital you, you, you use, you have to serve as an advocate for yourself. But how do you advocate yourself? You, you don't even know what you know what you need to advocate. So you have to maybe start reading up, comparing stories, listening, you know, so that what happened to somebody else wouldn't be repeated and ha- you know happen to you as well. Yeah, basically, this, because at the end of the day, I, I blame myself because I feel like I didn't listen to my gut feeling as well. I wasn't advocating when I should have. So you know, maybe that would have you know prevented this as well. Basically, you did but what anyway. most would do. You put you put your trust into the <laughs> of a healthcare practitioner, thinking that they had your best in mind, but they didn't in this situation. And I'm so sorry. Thank you. I'm so sorry. Thank you. And and in your case, it's it's so difficult because everybody around you knew you were pregnant. Like there was an expectation, even with the, the whole hyperemesis gravidarum that you had. In my case, the you that knew I was pregnant were the ones I told I was pregnant. So it wasn't as bad for me compared to yours. In and I'm not trying to undermine my own struggles by comparing to yours, but I'm just trying to say that it's it's more stressed on you to be able to even think about explaining to some people why. And not as if you owe anybody any explanations. But the stress is like it's it's naturally curious if what happened and how things happen. People want to hear the story. People want to and it's like for me i can choose my audience like you didn't know i was pregnant i don't have to start explaining to you you know i can count on one hand number of people i told on two hands sorry number of people i told that i was pregnant because you know after a while you just realize that uh uh-uh. because you have to also start managing the expectations as well and listen to them and it's stressful you know so um and i think what has helped me so let's talk about things that have helped you know me just talking about it you know and i know this sounds very you know very very counterintuitive but just talking about it and having somebody or having people who can listen to you even when you can't even make our rewards like you're just you know you know so talking therapy yeah. because we're women we feel ashamed because we feel like we're failures sometimes you'd be amazed how many people have actually been through this you know statistically one in five people i think if my if my math is right have suffered you know a pregnancy loss be it like you know miscarriages yeah. or stillbirth so people this is yeah. much more common than we think it's just that we're not talking about it in a day and age where everything you put on social media as a fancy stuff there's really not a space for it but i'm saying it's okay to talk about it and also seeing a therapist like you know seeing a therapist just you know having to walk through that emotion of course crying a lot crying a lot you know <laughs> just crying a lot like i can cry on command like that's the thing about this journey like i can almost like you could just yeah, like, be okay. sad and i can go there like in, in seconds and i don't know why i'm just emotionally fragile but this is a gift it has left me people you know i can right. cry on command i can just get sad easily about stuff you know and um can you see a sad place and just it. Just, you know, just say, go to that corner and i'm there already uh, you know <laughs> yeah practicing gratitude you know and i know this distance in my son like what does that mean like you've lost something and there are things you know you have already that you know you're, you're thankful for so i try to focus on some some of those things so i don't get sucked into what i've lost and also normalizing the process like i said it's happened to many people 
you know but we don't get to hear about it you're not alone and whatever this means forgiving yourself like i had to forgive myself because i just at the point i started looking at my body as you know just less like you can hold on to a burrito for like years but you can't hold on to a baby you know like like just forgiving yourself whatever that means i never know the right word is forgiving and music too music saved my life like you know playlists and myself and my friend here we exchange love songs some of those songs make us really sad because they're like sad okay. songs they make me cry you know but guess what it's okay Therapeutic okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So five people that can exchange songs with you and their playlist. I have a playlist for like my sad days, and so I share that with people, and you know that's that. And this is one thing that I stumbled upon that really helped me. It might not be helpful to you, but I'll share my own experience. So the first time I had a miscarriage, I it was 2014, and I remember reaching out to a friend that had told me one time that they had a miscarriage, but then I didn't know how, this was before I even got pregnant, I didn't know how to really help them because I didn't know what that was like. When I had that miscarriage, I reached out to them, and oh my goodness, they came over and, you know, they listened to me, they hugged me, because I was just a hot mess, and, you know, they they listened to me, and that that started you know a sweet friendship and along that line before you know after her first miscarriage she was able to get pregnant again and you know have a baby and i started co-parenting you know I, almost like i was a parent to their child's life and that experience really helped me a lot because i know it doesn't sound like a wise decision to insert yourself in another person's life especially a baby's life but myself and their son shared a bond that really helped me because i feel like for people like me that have been you know wanting to have kids there's something about you that you just want to nurture something right and so i put that energy into the child and it really helped me a lot it really helped me a lot now i wasn't deluded to think that was my baby no but just you know knowing mm. that because it's the way children are they're so innocent and if they like you they like you. they're almost like cats or dogs if they like you they like you and so one of the things i was yeah. suggesting to my friend here was because she says sometimes when she goes out she sees babies everywhere because that's what you see like if you're trying to get pregnant, you see pregnancies everywhere. You see pregnancy announcements everywhere. It's just how this cosmic you world, know, world works. Sorry, you know, you mentioned to you that the one I said we use the same hospital together. Yeah. And I asked to go back to the hospital to, you know, see her carry the baby. I didn't even carry the baby in the hospital. You told she, me, when she you told me I'd go to see her, I was like, are you crazy? Like, like, <laughs> I was like, you just, you just lost your baby. I was like, okay. That works for you, go for it. But you said it was really helpful to you. It was helpful. Like, I really, because I, I was genuinely, you know, excited. When they got home from the hospital and I went to see her and I saw the baby, I carried, she even gave me the baby. Like, like she knew I, like, I needed to carry yeah. <laughs> a was baby that helpful? or something. Was that helpful to you? Yeah, it was. Because I gave, I gave her drugs. She, she had some drugs. Like, if I carried her, I booked her. But, you know, I, um, I, 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 I felt, I felt happy. Like I had a newborn, so but it was not logical. But at the same time, I kept telling myself that you can't be attached because I'm really yeah. focused. You can't take this baby home. <laughs> <laughs> and I come back. Yeah, this is not my baby. But you know, it was a bittersweet kind of thing to me. It was it was kind of bittersweet. It was sweet and saying like ah, I had a new baby around. My friend's baby, like my baby, this is like my baby, but not my baby. But anyways, what I'm trying to say yeah. here is that, you know, whatever works in her yeah. state, in my friend's state, she was in a brooding mood to like, you know, to like take care and nurture. So inserting yourself in, in that environment that should have been can actually really help. In my experience, it helped me, even though it wasn't something that I thought would help. I, I wasn't even thinking about it, you know. I think 
another thing I should also say here is that I won't be here without people really helping me, you know, without people listening to me. So for that, I'm really thankful. I'm thankful for friends and family. I'm thankful for that mm-hmm. friend, Bridget, that came, you know, to Ireland when it happened to spend the night with me and just listen to me. I'm thankful for my friends that drove from Austin, Joanna and Zena, and even my community of friends, you know, Nikki and Abimbola, who's given me just an earful of how they're supportive and how I could not thinking about doing this alone. For those that have prayed, for those that have, you know, sent me songs as well and words of encouragement and i'm sure that's you know similar for you sis you know people that have been there for you that has really been helpful because it takes a village to raise a child it also takes a village to help when you've lost your child <laughs> you know and i wasn't trying to be smart with that you know come back limerick but really you can't really do it, do it alone and so for that you know um we're thankful i think if there's any lessons to be learned is you know like she said stand and advocate for yourself and what i would like to add to that is find your identity again i mean in this quest of trying to get pregnant and have a kid, I lost some of myself because that was all I could think about. That was all I could think about, you know. But I feel like your identity or essence as a person shouldn't be condensed to that particular thing you want, you know. It's fine because as a rational person, as a rational thinker, I, I wanted to just get rid of this thought. Like, you know, I don't want to be that person waiting for something to happen in my life. So I refuse to live my life like someone that is waiting for someone to drop it's like i want to live my life fully whether it happens or not i hope it happens but whether it happens or not i want to live my life fully so i'd like to encourage you to find your essence again find your purpose again you know find that thing that gives you joy get, find that thing that gives you happiness and go for it because life is really what happens when you're busy trying to wait for something to happen to you you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and and um and I think the hardest thing for me to manage is really the f- feelings. Like I said, the, the mood swings, the, the distress, is the things that linger with you after you've come to the realization that this has happened, you know, like the emotional distress. So that friend I told you about that I poured myself into that, like she had a second child yeah. and um, we we're still, you know, family, friends and all that. So after she had a baby, I went to see her in the hospital, but I couldn't stay for long. And I told her, I hope you understand. I can't be here for long. And she's like, yes, I do. That's fine. So I think people just... They don't, they don't think that it's okay to ask, actually excuse yourself from situations that can serve as triggers for you. So I advocated for myself. Like I looked at the baby, I, you know, brought the gifts, sat down for a while. But then when people started coming in with their kids and talking about, started comparing notes of pregnancies and trading, you know, war stories in, in the maternity rooms, I was like, no, I gotta leave now. Cause I just, I had nothing to contribute to the conversation. And just sitting down there made me feel like one loser. So I just excused myself. And my friend understood. So you know yourself better. If you can't be in certain situations or certain environment because of what's happened to you, fine. You know, I wanted to like say, because when I got in from the hospital, mm-hmm. it's another, you know, trauma, seeing all the baby things, you know, I already oh, arranged yeah, my baby stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Because you were so far away. You were so far along that you had all those, you actually bought stuff. I didn't buy anything. Maybe that's bad on me for not to have bought something. I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I was going to be that person that would shop maybe a day before I gave birth. Because that's how <laughs> I, I, had, I had all the heels washed and ironed, and Aww. you know, so coming in into the house, you know, without the baby, it was pretty traumatic. So I, I knew I needed to leave, I like I needed to just leave the house for a bit yeah. to you know, just gather a bit of strength in a way, just mental strength to come and face. Because I know I start to sort through the baby things and give them away. And you know, there's no baby, I'm not planning to have any baby anytime soon. 
because this guys that I mentioned earlier, the stress that is my pregnancy. Yeah. So I'm not interested in you know giving birth and as, as opposed to all the advice and you know the well meaning. <laughs> Save your love making tips is what she's trying Bye. to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I need to get away. So he's actually a great guy when it comes to things like that. So he actually dropped everything. So he he took we all, we went on a road trip together just to change the environment. Like whatever you need part time, you would know. And I knew I didn't I didn't need to talk to anybody. I didn't need to see people. Yeah. I didn't want. So I I told him I gave express instructions that I don't want anybody in just with apart from family yeah. and the very few friends that I have. So and that was all. And I made sure people around me made sure they adhered strictly to that. And when I go home, even our neighbors and you know everybody that wanted to come pay their condolences and everything. I just told them I didn't need you know because I know how the trend was going to be. Sorry, number one, I didn't want to be hearing sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. Yeah, that's true. They should, be, <laughs> should come up with better words than sorry. <laughs> I don't want to be hearing, sorry. That's all, I think I like that point you're trying to bring. Like, you decide what you you're want. You have, like, you don't have to hold like a, a press conference about it. If you no, don't want, if you don't no. want to be with people, then don't be with people. If you don't want to don't talk be. about it, take your time. Take your married time. You and don't have to conform to any kind of standards. You do, you all. do, you honey. You do, you. you yeah. Know? And I and I knew okay after I got back and you know I sorted through the um, things and I gave them away and you know the grief is still it's still pretty new like it's pretty raw I just just like there are some days that are good and there are some days I get really still down mm-hmm. and but I knew that I still and I and I have wonderful people around me like my close pe- my close pals people that I talk to, people that listen to me, including you, that, you know, I tell, I vent, I rant, I cry to, and yeah. I say what's in my mind. So it helps because I feel like, okay, I've shared that part and then, like, somebody actually understands, even though you don't understand fully, but at least you listen. Yeah, yeah, see? Like, Guys, listen, listening is good. Just listen, even if you don't have the right words to say. Yeah, yeah I, I don't even want you to even say much. Just listen and just, I, I, I get you. It's that's all really that you need. And then when this, like, I, I now finally was able to see some people. I, with the people I really appreciated the most were just those that gave me a very huge warm hugs. Like, you know, like bear hugs. Those yeah. are, those are the, you know, Don't even say anything. Hugs. Just hug me. Because, yeah. uh, <laughs> Like to feel the warmth, like to feel the like I understand. I'm so sorry, and that conveyed it, and that was just perfect for me. And so my point is, what I was trying to make, just do whatever you feel is 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 best for you. At the point, I had to even tweet like I needed grief support group in um, Lagos, and then the tweets I got some, um, you know, people people. People retweeted about maybe one K people so retweeted and a lot of people got back to me. I had a lot of people entering my DM telling me their own stories, you know, people that happened to know they shared and then some someone that something actually stood up stood out to me was like some quite some people said something about me being brave or, or seeking help. Like seeking to to want support, like group therapy, get like yeah. seeking therapy, and I feel like wow, like we need to actually do better. For that, to be, for that would, you know, to be considered bravery, <laughs> I yeah. didn't get yeah. understand. Like it was it was considered I was being brave for actually seeking talking seeking out about it and actually you know wanting help. So my point is, whatever you feel, it doesn't have to, you know, be the norm or whatever you feel. It has to be. You 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 can advocate for yourself. Do whatever you feel it is right for, by, for you part time. 
Yeah. And I know right from that it's okay to grieve. Like um I didn't even need I didn't I didn't anybody tell me at that point that I, this is what I I need to I need to let ex- the emotions, you know, because I know if I don't and I just bury it and it's it's going to be disastrous on my health. That's it, that's it. Because you can't you have to you can't hold it in. And another thing on grief is that, you know, because some days I talk to you, I'll be like, you don't sound good today. Like, yes. And the next year, you know, you're a little bit better. You know, I don't go like, oh, my God, this girl is unstable. No. If you're thinking like that for someone grieving, then you you have no idea what grief is. That you cry today doesn't mean you're not going to cry tomorrow or, you know, in two days' time. Give people as much space as they need. Or like, you sound happy. Oh, she's quickly moved on. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Because people might sound one way, but you don't know what they're going through. So give people the birth and the space they need. And another thing I'm trying to, it's just, sometimes i i lose my train of thought and it's very difficult for me to concentrate so my work took like a, a bit of a nose dive and i just had to find time to like take some time off work just to you know in a way be whole again and another piece that we've forgotten about is that men don't talk about it i mean i feel like husbands need to explore this topic more with their wives because even with the most supportive of husbands you find out that this is the most lonely journey you go through you know as a person so i don't know Maybe some men do it better than most men, but I know as a whole, like men need to start talking about it. You know, men, especially for maybe African men, they're not really inclined to, they're not brought up that way to actually express emotions very well. Also, they, they are not. But to, to my husband's credit, though, he actually expressed emotions. He cried, he, he, he cried, he really cried, and he talked about, you know, a few times how he was feeling. But at the end of the day, I think I feel he moved on pretty fast to me. Even though I say to myself, I still have like, I know maybe I may not have moved on. It's still because I feel like maybe they didn't really get to, to get, go through that bonding experience yet. Yeah. You know, they bond after the child is born. Yeah. And then that's when you know, they can put their own relationship. So they don't really understand the depth of, you know, the pain or what you feel. So, and then they will just look at the bright side easily, like, oh, it's fine. Another one will come or something like that. So I feel like, they don't they don't really i don't it doesn't really affect them as much it doesn't because when, you, i don't one, know yeah, the, i mean like you said you said it, you said it, <laughs> you've given the reason why you know not as we were saying our husbands are not supportive but you know even as supportive as they are it's still very lonely so anyways um this 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 is a very this was a very difficult topic to explore but I, i'm glad i got to do it with you i'm glad i i got to share that big secret i've been you know that's been costing me and i'm happy you did i'm happy i did and you know it feels so free i don't know what this i don't know how this is gonna you know um be like but so i think the big question is that so what now like so for anyone listening to this you know you know don't apologize for emotions if you're sad if you're angry whatever those married of emotions will be explore them and express them and don't let everybody bully just saying just thinking you're being you know you're being Mm-mm. selfish for Mm-mm. feeling that particular way Mm-mm. or you're you are making them uncomfortable by being sad if they are they should you know you are entitled to how you feel and you're entitled to just to and that's their opinion it doesn't work for you then you let them be the one question that i found was the most meaningful that someone asked me was what was the best help you need right now like just leaving it that open-ended and I'm, I'm using that a lot now with my friends like with my friends that are going through a lot I'd be amazed how much conversation comes yeah. out of there. Like, you know what? I just want some time away. Or I'd like for someone to just tell me I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm gonna be fine. Even if you don't know what to do, if you don't know what to say, just ask this open-ended question. And I'm putting my face and my name on that question. If it comes back, you know, in a bad way, call me out and be like, you gave me the wrong advice. Because this always works. I tell you, like, look at that person. And Even I, if you can't I, see I, them, like. I, I, 
Yeah, huh? you can what? So, yeah, it's like it is true. I, I asked. Um, I think I asked you that question, right? You did, yeah. yeah. And I told you I need to get a real pen, and I did. I and I was like, you know what? Can. I even told her, don't call me until you're back from your holiday. And she even tried to. <laughs> yeah, she was like, uh-uh, I'm not gonna talk to you because those people know you. They know you care, and they can tell you what they need with their mouth. And if they don't respond, that's all well and good. But this question always works. So along yeah. that line, um. I'd like to take a moment to just, you know, honor Arari's life. And it was a very brief moment here on earth. But I know she's never going to be forgotten, you know. And we'll always talk about her, not in hushed tones or in silence. No, we're going to talk about her. She's she's a part of us. And so we're going to keep honoring her life and just how much she's brought everybody together. And how, you know, even though it was a very short life, we know in eternity in heaven, we're going to meet her one day. And I do believe that for anyone going through this, and even for myself, that it does get better with time. Like, I would never... I never have guessed that I open my mouth one day and with a mic in front of me and my headphones that I'll open my mouth and start talking about my miscarried experience. I don't know what happened between that first time and now, but there's been a lot of growth. I have grown a lot through this process and I have met women that we've grown together in this process. So it gets better. I can tell you that my hope is that women won't be ashamed to say they've lost a baby and we can even maybe do more research into pregnancy losses and especially in countries like Nigeria we can be more proactive and that we can do things that are easily preventable to reduce pregnancy loss until then you yeah. know I hope you pick yourself up you, you try again not like try pregnancy again I mean try to live life again and take your time if you don't want to get pregnant anytime soon that's fine if you want to give yourself a break I gave myself a break between 2015 and 2018 to get pregnant and you know even though that ended up in a miscarriage but I told myself I wanted to just flush the hormones out of my body and just you know leave my purpose again and the thing about me is i wanted to go through my ivf rounds i put on a lot of weight so another thing that's been really bugging me down and just it's i still have like pains in my butt from all the injection i had to start giving myself like progesterone and oil and and so that's like a constant reminder of something i've lost and i mean and and i look at my stomach and i'm like oh my god so there's so many things i'm battling with but i'm telling you that you know it gets better you know it really does get better and I hope you'll be here with me tomorrow to practice your purpose and one over again. Find somebody you're listening to this and even if you've not been affected, I hope you can have an insight to you know the lives of someone that has gone through miscarriages before and someone that's had a stillbirth. The different experiences but the commonality here is it's a loss and it's one that you'll never forget. You know, my EDD for the first pregnancy was in December and I remember that every after that experience every December I would just I would sink into this depression that I didn't know why and if you know me I love Christmas it's like my favorite time of the year I'm always bright and bubbly but then the first shade happened I was like what's going on and then I started realizing that there was a pattern to it like my brain my body or something in my my processing remembered and so it took a lot of digging out and praying and therapy to realize that oh my goodness so for some of you that might not even know why you're sad at doing some specific time of the year this could be a particular reason for that yeah I just I just want people to understand that grieving is a part of life as well like it happens you know situations you can't control happens and then therapy as well and that you is a, a great advocate for therapy talking therapy just you know just express yourself which is what she's doing at this point in time so and i'm happy we did this together yeah. really i am even though this you know the nature is not <laughs> one would would have wish you were talking about right now like what that's not there'll be light at the end of it all and when you know life will go on and we'll be fine we'll achieve purpose and i keep holding on to that there'll, there'll be good days yeah, but i'm still going i'm it's just a month for me and there are still pretty good days and there are still pretty bad days i still i'm still grateful for all i have still my my child you know we still dance i still do my normal day-to-day activities and that's something i just want to lie in bed all day and cry and i do that and 
the next day i'll be back to my normal state <laughs> my yeah. new normal yeah you need normal <laughs> finding your rhythm again and um two things too i forgot about journaling like i do bullet journaling so even writing about your experience is also a good thing you know i think i've mentioned that before i think another thing you know we didn't talk about was which i think we should just talk about briefly is how you had to break the news to your daughter and how to explain to her she's such a sweet little girl she can you tell us what she said can you say that again because you told me and i want but i want them to hear it in your voice <laughs> okay so i well, i think it was the second day after it happened she just yeah, i was not in the house and then i was at the hospital and she's like so five right just, she's four right okay just to put a bit of context yeah, yeah. Just four. so i just called her hi how are you today What's your church? She went to school, and my younger sister, meditation sister, has, has been with her. She's been the one taking care of her while I was away. So, yeah, I went to school today. Okay, I asked about that day. Yeah, so where are you, mommy? You have not been home since yesterday. That like, yes, actually, I've been at the hospital. I had the baby, and she screamed, "Oh yay!" She get and the same breath as Stella, but baby went to heaven, and she was like, "Ah." Uh, okay and she went silent and um i was like are you okay like yes yes did you hear what i said I said, yes you said we were into heaven yes and then she now said something i was like mm, she'll come back i was like oh okay <laughs> she'll come back <laughs> but i didn't really even take that as anything you know but you know the excitement from mama the excitement of you know she actually screamed so loud after when i told her i had the baby and then she the deployment was so loud like the effect when when i told her the baby had to go back to everyone it's like it really it, she really understood <sighs> and understood. we already explained the concept of death and because we attended a few barriers or so so she understood the concept of people dying and so she understood that and and so far you know after i got in there was a time she, i told you now she was avoiding me for a bit because yeah. i was not running and i do think so she's such a sensitive <laughs> child i told you that you need to sit that down and let her know that okay mom is going through this because she too had expectations and i felt like for her <laughs> nobody wanted to even ask her what she felt about it and i thought you know you needed to do that like sit her down and ask her so what do you think about this you know what are your thoughts because her, her opinions on this too just also do matter because what i told you was it would be like a good mother-daughter bonding moment for both of you to like you know at least talk about expectations how do i not properly manage and how you can both heal through the process and i think that worked out well for you for the most part yeah, it did, it did, because I, before then, and then I noticed that she doesn't even like talking about it anymore. I mean, um, when we want to talk about her, baby, baby, or something, because I may, always make sure that I call her name, that's the Arari, I say her name, I bring her up in no conversations. Like, I don't want her to be forgotten or just, like, be talking, as you said, we, you know, we were talking about her in Nosh Stones or something. Like, she came, she was a part of us. She came and then um, she just didn't stay. Yeah, but she will always be a family. Like she will always be a part of us. So I talk about the conversation around that comes. Like, I mentioned her name and but then she, I noticed that she just avoid you know talking about it and I, I it even occurred to me that maybe she was in a way grieving or maybe she was a bit sad about it too. It didn't occur in my own grief. I was so consumed with my own grief. I didn't really I didn't really notice that. Not yeah. until you know I mentioned it. Told me like from my own angle, maybe you know managing expectations and you know she may be going through that as well. Yeah. And then I took that advice. I called her. I sat her down and I explained and I asked her how she was feeling. She was like, yeah, she's okay. Um, yeah, she but she wants the baby to come back. I asked now explain mm. to her that <laughs> the baby cannot come. Like you know, her friend 
mother had a baby of the same as like a friend in school so and you know that one is always talking about a new sister or something, something. so i think she was expecting that like, maybe my mom my, my sister too is coming kind of a thing so she like she wanted her own baby to come back as well and i was i broke my heart still, and like my house had broken that's the experience where that we won't come back that she had to be in heaven like we think over i said the angels i think over like ah, uh, but I don't want things to take care of. I want people to take care. Of. <laughs> I want people to take care. I don't want. I don't want things just take care. Of. All that, but she's fine. We have to deal with it's the. Like, we have to deal with the anti-angels, anti-angelic sentiments <laughs> that will crop up later in therapy. But for now, let's blame it on the angels in heaven who wanted Arire more than she did. <laughs> yes. I was supposed to the therapy if time comes. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just have to just, you know, manage just, I just kept talking to her about it and I make sure that I mean, she's fine. And then anytime she sees maybe I'm just pissing out or, you know, I'm just lost in thought. And she comes to me. She, she comes to meet me. Mommy, are you sad? Aww. Are you sad because of so everyone? I'll be like, oh, yes, I'm sad. Mommy, don't be sad. Smile for me. And she would, yeah, you know, she would go to me. If you haven't met her daughter, I mean, I tell you that she's, she's a wonder of nature. Like, times that I don't really like other people's kids, and it's like those that don't communicate well. Sorry, that's like a bad thing to say. What I'm trying to say is that I like really smart kids. I don't really like kids that are just, you know, like, you know, very needy and wanty. But she's, she's like an old soul, like almost like a 60 year old woman trapped in a four year old body. Yeah. But all the things she said, I can imagine yeah. her saying all of that. And that was what I thought for you that it was very important for you to talk to her, because this girl, I'm sure she had those expectations too like, and for her to even say mom i don't want to talk about it it's because she was i think she's just trying to be considerate of you at our, like she was being yeah. up she didn't want to make you feel bad and i thought to myself she's just a four-year-old girl like <laughs> she actually gave me lots of sweet and she was yeah. not saying it to her that what which was not a natural state after i got back from the hospital and fight with my trip that really warmed my heart i was like oh Oh my gosh and now you know she she, she comes back home still from school before that and she will bring flowers she has been doing that though even before all the while i was happy i was in you know much trauma during the pregnancy and she will bring flowers from school every day puts in my hair greets me and she's just very sensitive and you know she has been helping me too a lot and i just got an absolute thankful that i still i have a lot to be thankful for as you said gratitude you know practicing that day you know moments and so far so good it's 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 a journey and we are on it and i will, will be fine <laughs> we'll hope we'll find a day <laughs> that was just say for those that have grown-up kids even if they're not grown up maybe they're like kids that have you know come to their consciousness you know like a three-year-old or in this case of 60-year-old that's just apparent as a four-year-old it's also good to talk to them <laughs> because as a family you all need one another to like you know heal through the process so talking about it i think and just finding out okay what exactly are you sad about what were those expectations that were not met how can we keep talking about it because i think it's more healthy that way than just you know avoiding the elephant in That's, the room yes yeah. i agree with you anyways so <laughs> wow this was this was long and fun and um for anyone listening if you if you know someone that has gone through this experience feel free and share this episode with them you can reach me an email at talk to more at more or you can just check out the website 
www.mosibyl.com there's a contact me form there let me know what this episode was like for you and um and i even don't like that word miscarried what does that even mean like you carry something and you <laughs> Like really though, like, <laughs> like <laughs> that one. Is, I know, I know. Like you know, oh, like oops, you know. It's not okay. a like, great word. I think they come up with a with a better word because I tell you that well, I mean I could carry that thing if I had my way. Um, so but we'll be fine. There's a word in your body. It's last last somehow all right. Like at the end of the day, we'll be fine. You know, however long it takes, but. I know it's gonna be okay. Thank you all for giving me the opportunity to share my story and um, for the encouragement because I told myself like on this show I I know I see my demand but I've helped my guests be more vulnerable in sharing that story. It would be just be hypocritical of me not to like you know say that thing that I have been keeping for so long. I know that's why I was keeping it. I've talked about this with my circle of friends but I've never made it public. And along that line the show is gonna be going on a hiatus till April or March of 2019. Be back with better content. We'll be back with um, a vamp of hopefully hopefully um, more sponsors and just taking the show to greater heights and don't forget to go on the website www.mostable.com that is m-o-s-i-b-y-l.com click on the support tab to find out ways on how you can support the show financially and otherwise you can also catch up on old episodes all in all it's been a very wonderful time of the year for me um i've been honored and i have been blessed tremendously to be able to share the stories that that have been featured on this platform so thank you all and um merry christmas and god bless us all everyone like tiny team said thank you sis for letting me share your story and i'll catch you on the thank other you. end of the <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you love. so much thank bye. you so much for me yeah. bye when i find myself in times of trouble mother mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom let it be And in my hour of darkness She is standing right in front of me Speaking words of wisdom Let it be Let it be Let it be Let it be Let it be, let it be. Whisper words of wisdom Let it be